just take a moment to admire the fact I just hit a fairway. There's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And where I would go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Home! Oh, He's Spain. done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open champion. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fairway Finders. We have hit a huge milestone. We are coming here at you at with episode number 50. We're joined by with a very special guest, Mr. Ryan French, aka the Monday Q Info on Twitter. Ryan is part is a storyteller from the Firebit Collective. Ryan, how 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 are you doing today? Guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No worries. So we uh, we've been trying to pester you now for the last few months to uh, come on. So we uh, really appreciate you taking out the uh, time today to uh, come on for our massive, massive episode, which is episode number fifty. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks very much, Ryan, for taking the uh, taking the time out. We we uh, have a lot that we want to cover with you, and uh, we have a lot of questions that we want to, to fire at you about. Um, obviously the the Monday Q info page on on Twitter, and. Uh, you know, maybe your, your more recent stuff with the, uh, the, the fire pit collective as well. But um, maybe if we just uh, jump back to before, you know, the, the fame and fortune Ryan back before the, the, the Monday Q info went, went very viral. Um, so w- one story that I, I had read on you that I, I kind of want to get your, your take on is, uh, is going back to your, your early days uh, caddying. And I think it's something that you did with your, your old man, uh, way back in the day, you you decided at one point just to um you know what I want to I'm a golf golf mad type of fella I want to give caddying uh caddying a go. C- can you give us a bit of background about that uh, that tradition that you had with your with your old man and and how the whole caddying thing actually came about? Yeah, um, yeah. So I played college golf and then uh, after you know college golf was my I played at a junior college and then tried to walk on at a four year school and that was kind of my wake up call that there was about a million golfers way better than I was. And, uh, so gave that up, but I, I still love the game. I've been a golf nerd kind of my whole entire life. Hence the reason uh, this is, this has become a thing, I guess I just crazy, but, um, yeah, my dad and I just kind of on a whim, uh, we looked up actually the Canadian tour pretty, this is, this is pretty, uh, PGA tour being involved in any way, just when it was a good, uh, mini tour. And, um, they needed caddies and like we knew nothing about the mini tour world like I knew some because some of the guys I played with in college were like out there trying but I didn't really know like financial or like all of those kind of things of what it took so um yeah we literally just uh googled a tournament in Canada and I got a hold of the caddy master and the caddy master was like do you know anything about golf and I was like yeah, I played college golf. He's like, Oh my God, we'd love for you to come. They were like desperate for it. <laughs> You're overqualified. Yeah, I was way overqualified. I mean, the uh they had a uh the first time we went, he said, Could you show up for this like lesson on how to be a caddy? And we it was the d- day before the tournament, and he's like introducing what a T was and a hole. And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna be the <laughs> like best caddy out here, you know? And um, so it was just really fun. Now, obviously like a lot of these caddies were either kids or retired people or whatever. And so the players quickly found out that not that I was a professional caddy for him by that means I'm a little bit better now, but, um, but they were just happy to have someone that knew where to stand, you know, mm-hmm. and not be in their way. So um, we just had a ton of fun. It was great to get to know the guys and it was great insight into what their life looked like. And so, uh, we made it a tradition and uh, lucky enough to hook up with a Canadian kid named Ryan Yip, who's now an assistant coach at uh, Kent State. And we won. I mean, he won. I was happened to carry the bag the week that he won and uh, uh, on the Canadian tour and that Keddie Bibb stands. So it was kind of a, um, yeah, it became a tradition. We did like for seven or eight years until my dad got a little bit older and didn't want to carry bags anymore. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And uh, just on on Ryan Yip there that you mentioned, so the 2009 Jane Rogers Championship. Um, so you mentioned that it was at a a nondescript course about an hour from Toronto, which I think is is La- is it Lakeview in in Mississauga? Does that yeah. ring a bell? Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. That, that's if only enough that's actually my local or very local to me it's a, it's a public course here in uh in mississauga yeah. so i i get it not nondescript i'm kind of surprised they held a you know a tour event there like it, it's more for hackers like myself to go around and um and and tear up as opposed to uh you know an, an actual canadian oh, tour event but yeah there, there, <laughs> there you go um the, the thing that stood out um about it ryan was and i'll just read a, a quote from from one of your your article so this this guy ryan yip he was uh at the time a promising canadian golfer you caddied for him one year you came back caddied for him the second year and he actually went and won the tournament so the, the quote that I'll, I'll just read out is uh it's a little bit long but i'll, I'll read it all out so uh Basically, Ryan Yip goes and wins the event. And, and the quote you mentioned is, Ryan didn't have any family there. They don't fly in for wins at mini tour events like they do on the big tour. The media covering the event consisted of a couple of local newspapers. There was a big check, though, $20,000 for the win, plus 5000 more for being low Canadian. After the check presentation and a couple of quick interviews, I asked Ryan where, where we would celebrate. I'm going to grab McDonald's and get on the road, he said. I have to go to the next event. I watched him walk into his car alone with his giant check and his clubs, mini tour life, no family, no friends, no celebration. He had just won the biggest event of his life and he was going to grab McDonald's. That, that has always stuck with me. So um, pretty, pretty crazy stuff, to be honest, um, Ryan. And I suppose the question that I have for you is, obviously we're about a decade on, maybe more than a decade on now. Has it got any more glamorous or is it still very much the same sort of this this is the day-to-day life of, of these guys who are grinding out on the, the, the smaller tours? Yeah, I, I would almost argue, guys, that it's got less glamorous because, um, and this is a whole different discussion that I know you guys, is too long to get into, but the PJ Tour entered, uh, entered the mini tour world. And um, that kind of fractured a lot of the many tours that were going on in the United States. Now, obviously we're talking about the Canadians tour and the Canadian tour still does well for the most part, but the many tours in the United States at that time that we used to caddy for every once in a while, the Hooters tour, e-golf tour, you would win events and win like $35,000, you know, I mean, we're talking about a money that could, you know, fund you for a good portion of the year, if not an entire year. And those are non-existent now. Um, the Canadian tour obviously is affiliated with PJ tour and, and those winning checks are, are pretty good, but many tours in the United States. I mean, if you get a 10, $15,000 check, that's almost, you know, unheard of these days. Uh, it's very rare. Um, you know, they're 5,000, 3,000, 7,000 and, and guys really just don't have time to, I mean, that is just a drop in the bucket for the cost. So it's very much like, okay, yeah, I won. Thanks. Great. I leave. There's yeah. not, there there's no like at that event again there was you take the the um when ryan won take the uh members that were hanging around the course and the volunteers there was 25 fans that you know showed up there might have been 100 people around the the 18th green it was a very like dramatic playoff with three guys and there's almost a hole out and all that kind of stuff there was way more fanfare that happens at a lot of mini tour events now so um, but yeah, that, that moment, you know, I'll just never forget it. I, and I think that's, what's kind of has drawn people to my account is that was my initiation to like, Whoa, I didn't know this world existed. And, you know, a lot of people just don't know that world exists. Um, and I always say all the time is you're wearing a Toronto blue Jays shirt is like, everybody's been to a minor league baseball game. So they can understand that like these players come from the minor league system and all that kind of stuff. No one has been to a minor league golf tournament. Uh, Maybe somebody, you know, maybe a few have been to a corn fairy event, but almost no one like in, in in the scheme of things, no one's ever been to a Canadian tour event. So they just assume or didn't really think about where these players that are on the PGA tour came from. They're just like, Oh, they're on the PGA tour. Yeah, exactly. And then they switch on for master Sunday and see Scotty Scheffler with, you know, thousands of people around him are like, geez, this game of golf is great. But I, I think it's something yeah. that, um, and obviously the, the success of your, your Twitter page alone has shown, you know, just, just how much interest there is in, in those lower, um, you know, echelons of the game. So I think, I think obviously what you've done is great in, in shedding a light on it and um, showing what, what things are, are really like beneath the, the, the PGA tour. So um, if we kind of, Fast forward then 10, you know, 10 years on from that win with um, with Ryan and, and you, you kind of start, um, I saw you mentioned when you, when you first realized that the page was getting big was the, the Honda Classic 
uh, Monday Q in, in 2019. Um, so you, you describe it as the Super Bowl of Monday qualifiers. Can you talk us through a little bit about that and, and why it's so significant and, and just a, a bit of background on, on the Honda in particular? Yeah, uh, the Honda's kind of got screwed uh, by the PGA Tour schedule nowadays. They're in between, like, yeah. I don't know, Palm Beach players, yeah. those kind of things. And so it's kind of a mess um, scheduling-wise. But back in the day, it used to be a premium event that top players in the world played. A lot of European guys came over to start getting ready for the Masters and those kind of things. So uh, the Monday qualifier was 100% the best Monday qualifier of the year. Um, I mean, Shane Lowry has played in um, the Honda Monday qualifier. Alex Noren has played. Um, there was I, – I, I don't remember the year, guys, but like back in the 2012, 2013, they sent me the old fields, and I think there was like six or seven future major champions in the field. Um, so just how it fell in the schedule, um, guys from Europe, you know, didn't come over as often, obviously, as they do now. Um, and they were getting ready to lead up to the Masters. So, and there was only a select number of sponsors exemptions. So you'd get a random guy like Shane Lowry playing in the, you know, this is obviously pre his open championship and those kind of things. He just wasn't a big enough name to get an exemption. So yeah, um, it was, yeah, it was, the fields were ridiculous. Yeah, I, I bet. And for, for any of our listeners who are, you know, maybe not too familiar with the whole Monday qualifying situation at all can, can you talk us through a little bit about you know who can play at a monday qualifying event can uh can donnie show up on you know next monday with his with his bag and, and a caddy and, and take part i, I mean, mean what, what... i did see someone shooting 135 <laughs> not too long ago I, I reckon i could hang with that you uh, never know. Yeah. i reckon i could maybe get him to the 14th in a match play at <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the quick quick uh rundown is Technically, anyone can play in a Monday qualifier that has below a 2.0 handicap, but there is a pre-qualifier at the PGA Tour, and, and it is really exactly for the reason that we just talked about. A guy shot 135. A lot of people want to say they've played in a PGA Tour event having no idea what Monday qualifiers often played on a shithole course and a random, you know, random uh, Monday, and, and it, there's no fans or anything. It's, there's no glorious part of a Monday qualifier at all. But if you get through the Monday qualifier 100%, you can play in a Monday qualifier. And, and uh, there is prerequisites that you can go directly into the Monday qualifier. You don't have to do that pre-qualifier. But, um, yeah, it's I, I used Ted Belkin. Todd Belkin was a uh, – he was a club pro, but he had worked as, like, a pizza store manager. I mean, he was, as, you know, most people would – say like a regular joe he's just a dude that was good at golf and uh got through the pre-qualifier and shot a 68 at the byron nelson monday qualifier and happened to be a year tiger was playing and like this guy went from a pizza store manager to playing on the same course as tiger woods and that's what i love about monday qualifiers like literally there's no other thing in sports like it you know yeah uh, i'm trying to trying to think is, is there any comparison or any but there's not is there yeah. They're not like I, I say this and people laugh all the time. It's like there's no free throw contest to join the Lakers, right? There's no home run contest <laughs> to play center field for the Toronto Blue Jays for a night. Like it just isn't. There's nothing like it in sports. Yeah, you so can true. literally go from pizza store manager to the PGA tour in 18 holes. And and 18 holes is such a ridiculous, like I mean, the best players in the world have terrible 18 holes and the and players who are too handicapped can, you know, shoot yeah. the best round of their life and they have no business being in a PJ tour event, but there they are, you know? Yeah. So it's, it, there's just nothing like it in sports. Yeah. absolutely. It always, um, Ryan, it, it always occurred to me that, so uh, maybe I'm biased just because I've been so entrenched in golf from a really young age. I've had basically a golf course, 50 yards out in my back garden since I was a kid. Um, but when we could watch shows like last last chance you was a great example and the great narratives that come out of those guys who are trying to secure an nba contract or an nfl contract and i know we're now living in a world where netflix cameras are all over the pga tour and i know it's going to be hugely saturated um, and there's going to be lots of stuff coming i suppose twofold questions one 
was there ever um, attempts made to kind of stick a spotlight and stick a lens on these qualifiers in the past with a view that you have stories like uh, Mike Fasaki last year, like Ryan Brown this year. And then do you know whether Netflix are, are kind of looking at, at the lower reaches in terms of including part of it in the series? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's probably yeah. under Cloak and Dagger and, so, and, and, and stuff. Yeah. The first question is no. I mean, no one has really covered that. And obviously, you know, looking back and I had no intention of this being a thing, but that's un you know, kind of why it became a thing. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, because I we live and you guys live in this Twitter golf world, we think that we're like, we have a pulse on the casual golf fan. And like the casual golf fan could, you know, have Shane Lowry walk into their restaurant and they like, they wouldn't know who the hell he is. You know, uh, the casual golf fan knows 10 golfers in the world um, and watches maybe Sundays and, you know, and that's a large majority of it. Um, so I get why golf media um, covers those guys. You know, everyone writes a tiger story from the masters. Everybody obviously writes a Scotty Scheffler one, like everybody writes the, you know, just the Dustin Johnson. Um, but I just think golf has so many good stories and it's, it's such a, there's such a wide variety of stories to tell. There's 156 guys in a vet and there's as many life-changing or career-changing things, in my opinion, biased opinion, obviously, happening in the middle and down at the bottom of a leaderboard as there is at the top. I say it all the time, like a WGC to Rory McIlroy means that he gets a little bit richer. It doesn't mean really much to his life. Does he want to win? Of course. Does he... Does he have pressure to win? Of course. But does the $2 million check mean anything to him? Probably not. As the guy at the middle of the top 10 of an opposite field event who doesn't have any status and earns $100,000 in, a, in a, an event into the next one, it means the world. So, no, there's been no real up until now. And as it's gotten popular, more and more people have covered it. and That's great. Um, the second question is an easy one. The answer is no. But the the but we are doing a tv show at fire pit collective about those guys so uh it'll be out in september um i hope and i really do hope that the netflix series is great the f1 series is unreal amazing uh it is totally, amazing it totally transformed a sport so i yes I, I, i've been a like my brothers are, are huge f1 fans and would have been like Ayrton senna was there demigod um it's one of my earliest memories actually i think it was only about five i think it was four or five when he died but uh that sport had flagged for so long a decade mm -hmm. or more and now it, i think i'm right in saying that after uh after soccer and maybe the nba it's the next biggest sport in terms of social engagement and it's 80 percent of the reason is because of netflix 100 percent. yeah for sure now my biggest concern and i hope i'm wrong because like there, there's no, I mean, we, as my account has been like any focus on golf is great. So I hope I'm wrong, but F1 has two very good things going for it. As far as making a good TV show one players or drivers could die anytime they, uh, they start their engine and two, they could get fired. Right. None of, neither of those things happen of the players that the tour is, is following, uh, the, they obviously can't die and it, doing their sport. And second of all, they're all PGA Tour winners. They they literally cannot lose their job. Yeah. So I don't know what the drama is of these players. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really, really, really hope I'm wrong. I Because uh, I, like, I want it to be. Sorry for, for uh, interrupting there. I think one thing is like, I'm, I, I, I really hope they don't try to start like fake beefs between the golfers just to make it more like entertaining. I can definitely see that happening. Like the whole Bryson Brooks thing. They don't, they don't, they don't really like, they don't really dislike each other. Like that whole thing was just the biggest money grab. And, you know, I think with this golf Netflix series, as you said, there's no real, like the background, seeing the players, between the rounds of golf that part i think would be very interesting what do they do on their off time how much do they actually practice 
how long do they spend at the at the practice ground? Those things will be interesting. But you know, the actual playing of the tournaments might not be as exciting as 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 you said as the F1 because there isn't that much drama unless, you know, Billy Horschel says F you to Rory on a 17th hole or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. But I'm still very much like, you know, looking forward to it. But I do. I, I, assume, I do fully agree. I, I know the, the creators, the, the producers were on No Laying Up not long ago, and it was a really interesting conversation. But I assume that it's been commissioned with an angle in mind. Obviously, they can't predict the future. They can't predict the winners. They can't predict that Tiger was going to come back and walk around Augusta and finish 72 holes. Those nerves. But sh- they should surely be able to predict what kind of style of show that they want. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like I, I have, I have an open mind with it, but I, again, maybe it is the myopic thing of us being such massive golf nerds. But I just think that they're missing a trick in, in not looking at the real world jeopardy that exists, in, like in Monday qualifiers and and yeah. the life changing things that happen literally every week. Yeah, my my biggest, my big concern is not the right word, but my biggest takeaway is I think that the casual golf fan. Um, and, and it's not about covering guys that I cover or anything like that. It's that I think a lot of people look at golf as elitist, understandably, right? Like the golf world has plenty of elitists. There's no, no argument that there's a lot of money in golf, but I think they look at the top echelon of like tiger. I hope it's not like Dustin flying in his private jet and, you know, this guy playing in this private jet, because the, the fact of the matter that I've, I've said a million times is 90% of pro golfers live like normal lives or aren't making shit and you know are grinding to get to the pj tour so um i I don't want people to look and go oh there's a bunch of white dudes that are super rich uh you know because because a large majority of pro golf is anything but that yeah paint a fake image of it maybe of, of what it's really like um and if we jump back to to the monday q side of things um ryan do you mind just if we get into the nitty-gritty details on a monday how many players are showing up on a let's say any given monday and uh how many players are actually getting through to i'm sure it differs event on event but what's the general rule yeah. of thumb for for a monday morning yeah a good average on a pga tour i'll, I'll cover the corn ferry in the pga tour because i think it's it's too two good ones is uh, a PGA tour. They have a lot of limitations on how many people can get through the pre-qualifier and those kind of things. So it's around 75 to a hundred in those and they get through four, but to give people who are listening an, an, uh, an idea, I mean, we're talking in the Monday, there's always multiple PGA tour winners. There's always, um, you know, players that a lot of people have heard about, are in i mean aaron badley is in almost every monday qualifier the guys won four times on the pga tour um, yeah i mean in the early early mid yeah. to, uh, mid 2000s exactly like i mean Matt every next yeah, adam every, Scott. yeah every monday uh ben crane five-time tour winner every monday uh you know th- there's plenty of players on the corn ferry side it's even more insane because there's no pre-qualifier so four spots on the pga tour uh, side for roughly 75 to 100 the uh corn ferry side there's no pre-qualifier so a lot of college you know guys who just graduated from college and a lot of mini tour pros play in it because they don't have to get through a pre-qualifier and uh it is uh roughly 300 guys for eight spots so it's two sites Jesus. around 300 guys usually for four spots at each site so it's insane. Yeah. Uh, and, and the entry fee is $500. And, you know, you're talking about fit Mark Baldwin, who I've, I've caddied for at Mondays for a lot, who's part of the show. I caddy for it almost every Monday. Uh, he spent uh, $1,400 last week. Entry fee, flight, car rental, hotel, meals for him. We were there. We flew in at 1.30 on Sunday. Uh, flew out at 9 p.m. Monday and was 14 shot 74 missed by six and flew home so there you this go Third, in, in Mexico this in Texas for the Mexico Open yes yeah, so, ah, yeah 14 1400 in the hole for uh you know about 30 hours trip just ch- chasing the dragon basically you know what I mean yeah um, exactly so obviously there, there's a lot of um 
lot of bad stories with, with Monday Q and, and the guys who don't make it. And, and obviously there's a lot of, lot of really good stories and be keen to get maybe your favorite, uh, uh, you know, kind of favorite story that you come across. I think the one that, that stood out from my, my research on it and probably the, the more famous one, um, particularly us, us uh, in Canada, I was almost going to call myself Canadian, but I'm not, not far off it these days, uh, is obviously Corey Connors 2019 Valero Texas Open. Um, do, can you tell us, like the story behind this is absolutely insane in terms of, first of all, the Monday Q event and then going on to win the tournament. Can, can you give us a bit, of, a bit of background on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is the most insane story just from all the circumstances that had to happen. So first of all, Corey was at a, he had PJ tour status at the time. He was at an opposite field event the week prior. And I believe it was in Punakana mm-hmm. and he missed the cut by one, uh, had a chance on the back nine, missed the cut by one, or he would have never made it to the Monday qualifier. He would have never been able to find a flight Sunday to get their money. So start with that. And that's not insane, but it's, you know, like, okay, that's different now that we know all the things that happened. Um, So in the Monday qualifiers, I often get like messages from players or officials or a random parent. So um, a player that I'm very friendly with sends me a message and it just says, you'll never believe what happened. This is before the end of the round, before Connors has done anything. He said, um, Chase Hanna, who now plays on the European tour. Yeah, um, doing well said. Yeah, yeah. Said uh, he, the, this guy was playing with Chase Hanna, and the rule had just changed that you could leave the flag in. And Chase left the flag in for what was like a foot and a half putt, and he went in to tap it in for eagle, and it pinched against the flag. The flag was leaning, pinched against the flag, and popped out. And so then took the flag out, tapped in for birdie. Had he made that tap in, Corey Connors would have never got into the playoff. Then Corey Connors, this is all separate, but obviously come together. Corey made a 15-footer on birdie for birdie on uh, 17, made the 30-footer for birdie on 18 to get into a six-person playoff for the last spot. Uh, Four guys missed the green, which is almost unheard of, in the playoff. He hit it to like six feet and made the putt to get into the the Valero Texas Open and then goes on to win. I mean, it's crazy. It's, It's just like it like i'm not a religious dude but the fact that all that shit lined up is ah, pretty insane it blows insane. my mind the guy the guy gets to go he gets an invite to augusta then the, the following week and, and his whole world is just is just changed now and, and he's probably the if not the best ball striker definitely in the top five ten ball strikers on tour yeah, and it's he, probably going to be a, he, he, he's agreeing he is absolutely yeah. ridiculous every week he posts numbers to yeah and i would have one that one little break on the Monday Q, the guy's going to be a, probably a multi-millionaire now in, in 10, 15 years' time. So I listen, I hope he I hope he spares a, a thought maybe for the the Monday Q guy going out grinding there, updating everybody when he's uh I, I always say that if he doesn't if he doesn't uh send beers to Chase Hannah. Oh uh, yeah, like and more. weekly. Yeah. I mean, just like every time he tees it up. I mean, again, Corey Connors is obviously very talented, so would yeah. have made it. At some point, but it's sped up. I mean, everybody says, "Oh, it's Corey Connors. He's obviously good." Yeah, it, it sped up his career tenfold. I mean, exactly. he yeah. was at the Mer- the Masters the next week, and so uh, he wasn't even in anything. You know, he was going to be in a few events the rest of the year, but um, obviously, he would have made it at some point. But uh, I mean, it sped up his career tenfold, and, and I hope he sends wine or beer or something <laughs> to Chase Hand every week. Yeah. Well, you, you think so anyway. Good Canadian guy, you know what I mean? Good. Uh, they're all friendly up here, up in this part of the world. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's sorting them out. Um, fa- favorite Monday Q story is that is that up there, Ryan, or do you have one that tops that? Yeah, I mean, Todd ba- Todd Belkin is is very the guy I talked about uh, before. I mean, there's a ton, but um, Todd Todd's one of my favorites just because he kind of knew he didn't belong out there, and he just soaked up everything. He like we had talked at prior to me going to a lot of the Mondays and, and meeting these guys, a lot of the interactions would be through Twitter. And so he got through, I learned a little bit about his story and whatever. And I sent him a message like Tuesday or Wednesday. And he said, he was, he's an Australian guy that lived in Texas. And he said, man, I, I just played with Sendo, John Sendon and a couple other Australian guys like the time of my life. And it's just like kind of encompasses what Monday qualifiers are about. Like, did he go into that thing? I mean, of course he wanted to make the cut and those kind of things, but he just soaked up everything and like 
it's just everything I love about Monday qualifiers, no matter what happens in his life, like he's going to be able to tell his kids or if he has kids or whatever, is like, Hey, I played on the, on the, on the best tour in the world, you know, the yeah. top tour in the world is just, uh, it's just super crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's a, uh, is what it, it's rare enough that a Monday queue, um, you know, event or, or situation will actually make headlines, but one, one I came across that I wanted to uh, to get your take on as well was one of the funnier ones I saw. Uh, the headline being golfer arrested at Monday qualifier for allegedly attacking player partner. Um, so what, what I was able to surmise from it was that uh, some guy was playing slow and, and uh, lost his ball. They didn't help him. And then he just turned around and, and hit his, hit his playing partner. Like, do you mind giving us like the, were you there? Yeah. Did you see it? Like what, what's, what, what was no. the deal with that? how I found out about it is very funny. The guy who, this is all pretty funny because as you and I are talking, the guy who told me just sent me a text. I didn't see what it said. No, I just remind me, but, um, like I've worked pretty hard at this, that this, uh, uh, at this thing to make it a living for three years. I didn't make a dime from this. And so one Monday came, it was just a corn fairy Monday. And my wife said, Hey, let's do, she had the word day off of work. It's like, let's do a family day. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Let, let, I'm going to take the day off. Not, I'm not going to like be on Twitter, whatever. I posted the link and that was it. So I'm sitting outside and this guy calls me who's very connected in the Wichita golf world. And he says, and I said, come on, dude, I want the day off. This better be good. And he said, well, there's a fight on the golf course and the police are here. And I was like, oh shit, I guess I'm not going to have the day off today. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, the guy, uh, a gentleman hit the ball. One of the players that got beat up hit the ball, like left, and the guy and his dad, who started the fight, uh, didn't help him look at the green. The guy who lost the ball said, "Hey, you could help me look," and the dad said, "Well, stop hitting it in the woods or something to that effect." <laughs> and uh, good advice. Yeah. Before you know it, it was uh, there was a fight. I mean, there's many favorite parts of this story. Uh, the, the guy who started the fight made the guy who got his butt kicked say uncle in the middle of a fight. That's a hilarious part. Like that hasn't happened since you were eight years old. And one of my favorite parts is the third guy in the group who continued on in the, uh, Monday qualifier, the police came out and were interviewing him as he walked up the 10th hole. Like, I mean, it's just all insane. And. I wrote this story very quickly, put it up. I knew it would be popular, but I had no idea. Like it exploded. And when I saw it on Fox News, and I'm not talking like local Fox News, I'm talking like, you know, Fox News, Fox News. Uh, on their website, on the main page, I was like, oh shit, this has gotten insane. It was yeah. everywhere. It was everywhere. That's brilliant. Like you, you never see, you see how, uh, you know, proper golf is as a sport, you know, yeah. it's, it's elitist. And then you, you see two guys in a qualifying event, just scrapping uh, yeah. with each other. I think it's brilliant. Um, they, call, they call that a Bob Barker, do they? A Bob Barker, yeah. <laughs> now you've had enough. Now you've had enough, bitch. Uh, so if, <laughs> if we jump forward then, um, Ryan, up to, you know, more, more current events and, um, your work with with the Fire Pit Collective with, with Matt and uh, Matt Janetta and Alan Shipnuck, um, obviously two two guys that have been in the game for for a long time. Do you mind giving us our, our listeners a bit of a, an insight into that? I don't know what you call it, yeah. project or that that um, you know exactly what it's all about and, and what your role is with them. Yeah, I mean it. It's been a crazy ride, guys. Again, uh, never in a million years intended for this to be a thing. That was not how I started. My son had brain surgery and. I was in the restaurant business. I left my job for a couple months. That was the plan. Uh, and I started this just for something to do. And somehow I'm on this podcast and four years later, I've made a living from it. But um, yeah, Matt and Matt has been on golf channel, was on golf channel for a long time. And most people knew him. Alan, I've read for my whole life. He, you know, one of our, one of the, some people don't agree with everything he writes, which is totally fine. That's every writer's not supposed to you're not supposed to agree with it but one of the, the best most popular writers in in golf of our time and um yeah it was a very very surreal moment matt and him started this media company called Firefit collective and uh yeah they called me and pitched me on why i should join them and i'm like what the 
fuck has happened in the last three years. Like, yeah, yeah. two guys that I've like watched and and read my whole life are pitching me why I should come. Like, they're putting like giving me the sales job, and I'm like, what? What has happened? Like, how is this possible? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been crazy, guys. Because like a lot of this oh, for the three years, I basically did it from my living room through Twitter and phone messages and Zoom calls and those kind of things. And you know, now I have a budget to tell stories I want to tell and um, go places I want to do and get to know these guys and, and girls. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I mean, literally my job is to do what I want. They've never told me what to do. They just expect me, not expect me, want me to have good stories. So yeah. uh, the, they've never said no to me. They've never, they've never said, Oh, that's a stupid story. They just said, I mean, Matt, Matt is like, Ryan, we didn't hire you to, um, you know, write, be a great writer. I'm, for those that have followed me or haven't followed me, my grammar is terrible on Twitter. I make spelling mistakes all the time. People make fun of it. I make fun of it. Um, but I think I'm an okay storyteller. And they're like, we hired you for your instincts, not for everything. We have people that can help you edit and those kind of things. And uh, yep. And so... That you they trust my I tell the stories I want to tell. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. You, you, no, you, okay. It's it's very it's very clear to us from just being a follower of yours now for a couple of years because I love these narratives. I, I there's a uh, one of my close friends, um, brothers-in-law was a pro out in the Asian tour, and I used to always love um chatting to him about the ins and outs of like how hard it is and, and all the costs and the pressure and trying to raise a young family with all this and and I think you strike gold so often. Um, and I suppose striking gold is a bit of a segue because I, I have to ask, um, a segment of the podcast is obviously where we are in the predictions game to a certain degree and we try and f- find horses for courses and guys who are trending. And um, if I were to put you on the spot and you can totally veto this, are th- is there anyone in are there any guys at the minute who are really like turning heads that are, that are put it this way. They won't be doing Monday qualifiers for, for too much longer, because I mean, if you take Morikawa as an example, I know Morikawa had an elite amateur career, but it was kind of strat like, like stratospheric and, and same with Scotty in spite of, I know they, they were, they were considered to be top prospects, but it seems like the, a guy can just catch fire and go on a tear. Um, have you seen anyone who who's kind of without putting pressure on them, obviously as well? Because we're going to put all our money on it, Ryan. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, mortgage the house, but um, yeah, Patrick Flavin, it's a hundred percent the kid is. And I saw a side of Patrick actually a couple of days ago at Monday that I hadn't seen. Um, Patrick hit missed at second stage of Q school. Uh, the first, I mean, Patrick had a good college career. So let me kind of start at the beginning. Good college career at Miami of Ohio. Uh, I, I happened to be out at the uh, Waste Management Monday Qualifier in 2019, and Patrick got through. I had known about him, but met him, super nice kid, soft-spoken, beyond polite, uh, just great family, really nice kid. So got through, um, had some success on the Corn Ferry Tour, but didn't keep his card, and then went back to second stage and lost and, and didn't get through. So the following Monday, that was like a Thursday. He didn't get through the following Monday was the Bermuda open Monday qualifier got through and finished a uh, 16th, 17th. And so kind of had to chase Mondays. So then went to the Puerto Rico Monday, got through, finished T22. So he's like really close to non-member points. So last Monday, um, Patrick's there. He's always in contention. He shot six under on a very difficult golf course on the front nine. And we were like, this is insane. Mark and I, I gave it for Mark and we thought two or three under would get through ended up being four as the playoff, but it was a very difficult golf course, six under on any nine, six under total was not really in what we were thinking at all. And so I saw Patrick coming in, he was the last group. So we assumed like he was going to shoot even or a couple under on the back and easily get through. And I could tell, you can tell the body language, the more you're at Mondays you can kind of tell as players are walking towards you that uh, you know, what, how the round has gone. And I could tell that Patrick was super pissed off, uh, puts his bag down and someone says, how'd you play? And he just says, uh, uh-uh, uh, and walks into 
uh, scoring. It ended up being four, which he thought he was out, but it was a six for two playoff. He was the last group. So immediately went and grabbed his bag and we all started headed and I was going to cover the playoff and I started headed and he was just, you could, I mean, he's understandably angry bogey three of the last four or five holes to fall into this playoff. And so he was clearly pissed. I had net Patrick has just been so polite. Um, a very, the, the playoff hole is a very weird double dog leg par five. He's the, out of the six players. The only one that hit driver hits it perfectly over this corner, walks it like up alone, super pissed off, hits a hybrid around this other dog leg, like a sweeping hook right to the front edge, hits a pitch, a difficult pitch over this little hump to a foot and a half, taps it in and gets through. And I'm like, holy shit, this kid is like a killer. I mean, just, it was, it was most players coming off what that happened had like zero chance in the playoff. And he hit four perfect golf shots. It was ridiculous. So the long-winded answer is Patrick Flavin is going to be a menace once he gets his tour card. There we Sounds go. Like Put him do in the you, notebook. Ryan, do you think that and the margins I know are just, they're so tiny, especially when you condense a qualifier into like 18 holes. But do you think, I'm sure it, it, it's probably a case that all these guys are hyper-talented. Their golf swings are picturesque. They're, they've no issues in terms of distance, in terms of being able to shape shots. Is there, a, is there a blueprint on how to tackle these kind of events that you see? Or do, do you find um, it's more probably down to a temperament or it's just a, either a natural ability or inability to handle that kind of pressure? Because it's a totally different kind of pressure. It's not a, it's a, it's a, financially existential pressure as opposed to a glory kind of pressure. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the answer that of why some of the players out there, and of course there's players out there who don't really have a chance. If they had a great week, they have a, they would have a chance, but uh, we're talking about, you know, of the half or third that could easily keep their tour card if they were given one. Um, you know, I think the answer is different. Part of it is mental uh, part of it is a small part of the game, but I say it all the time is the hard part. Once you don't have status is the Monday qualifier. I mean, Mark Baldwin, who I've caddied for in both of his tour events. I mean, he had finished 140th on the corn Ferry tour last year and lost his card. I mean, he's been in the top 15 of the heading into the final day of the two tour events that he's gotten into. So now he played poorly on both Sundays, but like, obviously he can play out there. There's no, there's no argument about that. So um, part of it is just Mondays is the hardest part of it. Um, if you're super talented and you have four days and you have 72 holes, you know, talent's going to shine through, right? And 18 holes, I mean, almost always the best players are not getting through the Monday. It's a crapshoot. One bad swing. Uh, Mark and I have played it. I catered for him in two in a row that, you know, he made a double, he made one bad swing and made a double on 17 and missed by one two weeks ago and then missed a short putt the week and missed by one there. So it's like not always the best players get through. Um, but the answer of why they're in the Monday qualifying field is, you know, I think it's inconsistent. Some of it is definitely mental. Some of it is game related in a small part. But if you could take away the names of it, a play, a, a, a golf fan, a casual golf fan who played with in a group of Monday qualifiers would think that these are the best players in the world. Like mm -hmm. that, I mean, it's, it's, we played with the guy, Danny guys, guy didn't make a mistake the whole day, shot five under or four under and lost in a playoff to a birdie, you know, guy didn't make a bogey for 21 holes and <laughs> is going home. I made yeah. four birdies, 21, you know, uh, 21 holes, made four birdies, didn't make a single bogey, headed home, you know? Tough. So, Tough. it's All golf. Hashtag golf. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned um, you mentioned Mark Baldwin there, Ryan. How was that whole experience at um, Pebble Beach? Um, first awesome. of all, is, is it as good as – I ha have never been there and never played it. Um, I hope you got to play it, Ryan. Did you during that week or, or no? I, I didn't, and uh, I'm glad it's so difficult. All those courses are, are so hard. It's just uh, – it's it's heaven on earth man i don't i don't know how I, I mean mark and i just walked around for so we got there early we played uh spyglass twice we played saturday uh we played 
a total of, well, he played a total of um, nine rounds, no, eight rounds, you know, on the three courses. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's, you, you can't believe it. It's like, I, I've always said, like, if you created a simulation of life in a perfect golf course, it would be Pebble Beach and Spyglass. It's, it's insane. I'm glad uh, to hear that. I'm glad, I was thinking, is yeah, there, I mean, was there a moment where you're just like, you know, fuck, this is unbelievable. Like, what am I doing? This is this is the, the best thing that's ever happened. You know yeah, I mean, I mean mo most of the golf, most of the course itself is like that. But one very cool moment, uh, Fluff came back to caddy for Peter Jacobson. So we were paired with uh, Peter Jacobson. Um, his first pro event was the AT&T in 1977. So he was retiring back at the AT&T. And Fluff, who was his caddy for a long time, who obviously caddied for tiger and now caddies for fear came back to caddy for him yep. just very soft-spoken but quiet first day final hole at spyglass mark shot a bogey free 69 it was like one of three bogey free rounds and we we're like we we're having the fucking time of our life i mean it was insane and it really didn't matter what he shot but obviously the fact that he shot a bogey free 69 made it amazingly better so i'm holding the flag over my shoulder uh and Mark had finished out and Peter Jacobson was about to tap in and fluff came at me with his hand out. And I went to shake his hand thinking that he wanted to like shake hands at the end of the round. As and he do. said, I, yeah, I mean, as you do as the round is thing. And he said, I don't want to shake your fucking hand. I want the fucking flag. <laughs> and I was just like, it was the <laughs> coolest moment of my life. I was just like, what the fuck is this happening? Like, did Fluff really just, like, give me shit? And then, I mean, and Fluff is just so perfect. He set it all up. The Saturday, Jacobson's going to miss the cut by a million, just, like, fully supporting Mark. We're on the final green on the final day, and same scenario comes in, and I start to hand him the flag, and he goes, I want to shake your fucking hand. I don't want the flag. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I've made it. I've officially made it. I, I remember that time that our, our boy Seamus Power was uh, rattled out in front to a, a nice lead, but obviously he couldn't get it done in the end. Um, the, the very last subject I want to chat to you about, um, Ryan, is just uh, obviously the, the more contentious uh, kind of aspect of, of professional golf right now, and that's this whole you know, Saudi golf league or, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. So, um. Look, my, my own views, whatever they're worth, you know, I, I do find it hard. There, there's these multi-million dollar players who are going to go and make a, a few more multi of million dollars by going playing in this Saudi golf league. But I think um, if you're a guy like the, the guys that you're dealing with on, on the day-to-day -day are being offered these outrageous sums, these guys who are breaking even by by playing a season on whether it's the Corn Ferry or going through qualifiers, um, like, is there a lot of talk about it? Ryan on these on these tours I mean is there is Greg Norman getting on the phone I don't know how much you can talk about it but is, is there kind of Greg Norman calling some of these hot shots that are on these maybe sub tours and saying look come play with us you know you're guaranteed to make a cut you'll you'll make you know half a million a million dollars just for, for showing up um is, is it possible to get some insight into the the, the Saudi golf league on the let's say the, the the Monday key world yeah I mean a lot of guys the, the discussion is always if Greg called, you know, the moral dilemma. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's also, it, it's so different than the top guys because I, I use Mark in a lot of these stories, but I know him, you know, on a personal level, he's, we're very good friends. I mean, Mark lives in a very small two bedroom apartment in uh, Arizona. He has one car that him and his wife share you know, they don't have anything. They don't have much, right? I mean, they're cut there. Mark moved in, well, lived with his in-laws for a long time and then just finally moved into this apartment. And when I was out there visiting him, when he moved in the apartment, I mean, he was buying bookshelves off of Craigslist. We're talking about a guy who doesn't have a lot of money, you know? Yep. And he obviously doesn't agree with it politically, but he's like, what am I going to do if, if they called me, you know, yep. they're not calling him. They don't want Mark Baldwin, but I'm just saying like, that's a lot of the conversations is like, it would be impossible to turn down. I think the Saudi golf league, if all the top players go and I don't think they are, but eventually some of them will go is it's just boring to me. Like, I don't want to watch 48 millionaires play for more millions, but 
I also understand I'm in the in the very small. Um, but but as far as players, I have relationships with a few of the top, like not the top twenty guys, but the guys between twenty and a hundred. Yep. And I I I asked a few like what their thoughts were, and one reply was, "It's just an awful lot of money." Yeah. And mind-boggling amounts of money. And, and at some point someone's going to say yes i'm not saying it's that player that said yes but he's ha- like it's impossible to not think about it like it is yeah yeah the 50th best especially with the top players saying they're not going this year it even makes it more like the 50th best player is going to be the best player on the saudi golf league tour yeah and he needs to win one event to make more than he would on the pga tour absolutely like, after grinding for a whole season I would love to sit here and say like, oh, that guy shouldn't go. Yeah. He should probably go. <laughs> it's easy to say from 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 our position. And I think Robert Garrigus, who who came out, obviously the the, the guy that, that has requested from the PJ Tour to get permission. Like if Robert Garrigus is strolling around with a, a $3 million check in his pocket, I know for a fact there's going to be, and I think this is this is Greg Norman's plan um, from listening to him on on, on subpar with, with Cole Nost and, and Drew Stalls. He, he was kind of, explaining what what his logic is so a guy like robert garrigus comes over cashes three million and then all of a sudden number 50 or number 25 in the world is saying fuck it i can i can crush robert garrigus no problem so i'm, I'm going to come and take part so it, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it all unfolds but like how do you think it's going to um go right if, if i can ask you that like is it going to be a yeah. like that people follow suit and say fuck this or is it going to be very much keep your cards close think- to your chest I think the key is if, you know, someone's, and if it's Garrigus, so be it, but someone's going to have to file the lawsuit against the the tour in order to get that ban that they say is going to happen. If that gets blocked, it's going to be floodgates and everybody's going to play in a bunch. I mean, it's just Robert, somebody had to be the guinea pig yeah. and everybody can make fun of Robert Garrigus, like the fact that it's Robert Garrigus or whatever. If Robert Garrigus goes and wins the lawsuit, they're, they they will not say it publicly, but there's going to be a thousand players that go pet him on the back and buy him a beer because he's going to open the floodgates because, you know, first it was they had to play in all the events. Now Greg's saying they don't. Who, what top player in the world is not going to play in select events playing for five, four million dollars? Not going to happen. Yeah, I'm and, sure. Gar- and Gar- once a few guys go, the political stuff is going to blow over. They're not going to be mad at everybody. And if they are, oh, well. And again, I don't agree with it politically. It's very easy for me to say they should all turn it down. If Greg Dorman walked up to my house today and said, hey, Ryan, we're going to have Monday qualifiers and here's $2 million. You're going to come cover them. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) How high do I jump, Greg? How high? Yeah, no, I I, I get you. It's it's such a difficult one. And um, it's easy for us to sit here and and criticize and, and stuff like that. From the, from I, the think, I, I think so for context ryan i'm i'm probably the guy on the pod who's the most outspoken about the whole saudi thing and i yeah self-proclaimed i do bang the drum and i do reference jamal khashoggi and i reference yeah yeah and because it because it's all valid the context of being a robert garrigus as opposed to being john ram or colin morikawa yes. or justin thomas that is huge. That makes an yes. enormous difference. Um, I, and, and to the point where I like to think I would do the right thing, I also like to think I would be looking after my family first and foremost. So, yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you. I think um, Greg Norman and and the rest of, I won't say cronies is, a, is a, maybe a bit of an unfair word. Um, it's not. No, I mean, not. Like, it's not a long game. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this Crumbs. whole thing Crumbs. is shady. I, I have I have zero, <laughs> zero, like, I mean, there's no debate about how dirty Saudi Arabia is and what they mean on a, on a world scale. Like, just no defense of it. Um, the, and the top players in the world should turn them down and, and because they can make still tens of millions. I mean, Rory says yeah. the best. How many, how many houses do I need? Yeah. Uh, Mark, yeah. Mark Baldwin, if you're going to go, Mark Baldwin, if he could, you know, last place is going to be 150,000. I've heard like $150,000 changes Mark Baldwin's life. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a year's salary for for a exactly. high high level kind of executive or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's exactly. serious money so, we're talking. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will as long as no one offers me a huge check, I'm going to sit here and tell you you shouldn't go. But I also <laughs> am very realistic that it like I live in a 1500 square foot house. I, yeah, a two million two million dollar check. It's going to be. Uh, I have a lot of morals. Uh, you know, I I always say this about the Tiger. I hope this is not too deep for the, for too dirty for the thing. But like everyone's like, oh, Tiger had 19 girlfriends. Yeah, it's easy for me to say I wouldn't. You know, like do anything. <laughs> Girls weren't slipping numbers into my you know, thing or leaving notes in my locker. Oh, yeah, right. I'll back your pair. Like, a Tiger can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's Tiger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As I'm concerned, yeah. like in in terms of that kind of oh, bit of a oh, bit of a shit shitty guy. Well, I mean. <laughs> He hasn't committed any sort of crime. He's a bit of a yeah. dog. Right. Go yeah. for it. You're Tiger Woods. Yeah. Listen, Ryan, I hope yeah. the missus isn't going to be listening to this now. Otherwise, you might oh, it's all right. she, will. she understands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, if Brad Pitt, if Brad Pitt comes and offers Mrs. Monday Q a night in the thing, she should take it, you know? I, mean, <laughs> 100%. So I, I, I do think, though, just I guess my opinion on the Saudi thing, I do think you're right. I think it's going to be the lesser players, the players that don't make the millions on tour go over. And as Steve said, I think it's going to be uh, someone who's in, you know, like around maybe the 25 to 35 in, in, in like the world. And they go, hold on, a guy who's 70th in the world just made more last weekend than I did in the entirety of last year. Fuck mm-hmm. that. I'm, I, yep. I want, I want a, a cut of that cake, but Look, personally, my own opinion on it is I think any golfer who's in the top 20 or who's made apps like mills in the bank, like there's talks of Westwood. Honestly, my own opinion is fuck them if they're going over yeah. to this. They, they have enough yeah. money. That's just utter greed. Look, at the end of the day, Greg Norman knows for well that humans, unfortunately, are insanely intrins- intrinsically driven by money. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And as Rory said, how many houses are enough houses? For most people, there isn't enough. There is no number. There is no yeah. there is no limit. And, you know, it is unfortunate. Don't get me wrong. Like, uh, you know, if they rang us up right now and said, lads, we want you to be the official podcast, believe me, we'd have to have a huge debate about it. <laughs> yeah. See you there, Greg. No, I'm on at the way. end of the day, it's just, it is unfortunately just, Meanwhile, he knows well that having... humans are just into that greed, and it is what it is, you know. But yeah, I agree. I'd be I'd have spyware all over me. I'd go in. I'd go in like <laughs> MI six and and bug in every bathroom in the place. Yeah, um, Ryan, we we like to um we like to finish just to, to wrap it up. Conscious of your time, we like to finish with a few quick fire questions. Um, so we we might rattle through them um quickly. So um. Question one, favorite golf course that you've ever yeah. played? Yeah, my favorite golf course, I mean, I, I did, I forget, I did play Spyglass one of the days. So if I really had to answer, that would be the obvious. But from like a sentimental court time, I, I grew up on a little municipal course in my hometown. And uh, it's just like where I learned the game. So uh, I love it. It's a little, you know, shithole city course. and <laughs> But I love it. Great memories. Uh, yes. I, I'm the same. I'm, I'm so fond of my local golf courses. It's one of the top 100 golf courses in Ireland, but I think it ranks like 87th or something. Yeah. I'll bring golf club. So fond of it. Always will be. Um, I totally get that. It's it's the memories you make, not necessarily the dog legs you're looking at. Um, Next this question. This is a question that I actually, we, we, we don't get to ask this a lot because a lot of the time we have people on who have like uh, sponsorship deals or are tied into a brand. But I'm always interested to know, as just as a golfer, one, are you a brand whore? And if so, who's your brand? Because I'm a no, tailor-made and I won't yeah, look at it I'm not tailor-made. I'm not, I'm not really a brand whore. Like, I, I would play anything that, like, feels good. Uh, I play Sub-70, and you guys probably have never even heard of Sub-70. They're not internet. It's a small little uh, direct-to-consumer. Yeah, it's like very on brand for me, but I really do like their clubs. They're not being, I'm not being paid by them or anything. So um, they gave me the clubs for free, but like, I'm not. (laughs) Nice plug. I I could have, 
I could have other sets of free clubs. Um, and I mean, they're just a really good club, a uh, very small, uh, direct to consumer. And, uh, yeah, I love them. so, but I'm not a brand for it all. Like everyone's like, Oh, you know, what, what kind of golf ball you, you use? Like, I don't know, dude, whatever, whoever ships it to me, you yeah. know, for free. Whatever nowadays. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, best best player you've ever seen on the Monday Q circuit? Um, yeah, personally, like played with um geez, that's a tough yeah, I mean Patrick Flavin. I mean, the guy's just he's really good. I mean, right now two mentions now, Ryan. Jeez, the, the yeah, guy must be yeah. a superstar. Yeah, the kid the kid's gonna be really good, man. He's really he's just really yeah. Patrick Flavin. Beautiful. Um, I have a a really quick one there if that's right Um, Ryan who is your goat oh here's yeah I mean the goat is Tiger for sure I mean the the goat on brand goat is is Corey Connors I mean the the count was kind of growing and then Corey won and I just remember the tweet I remember like that week just gaining so many followers and I just remember tweeting and it was like one of the most popular tweets I had at the time. It was like, I just said, turns out a Monday qualifier winning on the PGA tour is good for a Monday qualifying account. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, the, the dream. So really. Corey Connors is the on-brand answer. Love it. And I'm, I'm not going to ask you, Ryan, the, uh, the dream four ball. I'm going to, you know, the standard who would you like to play. I'm going to ask you who be the yourself and three others get to go sit in the bar still for the night. Who are you, who are you taking along with you? And any, any sort of golf related, um, and don't say, don't say Alan Shipnook and, and Matt Chad, you know, just to no. keep the bosses happy. Fuck, no. Fuck those guys. They can, then, <laughs> I'm not taking that. They go to high, they, they like are always at high pollutant fancy places. I'm not ah, yeah. like that's You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's not me. Um, the answer is, is always, and I didn't appreciate it at the time when I was younger is my grandpa, my brother, my dad and I uh, used to play golf together all the time. And I was just a young punk, you know, a kid like, 12 years old 10 years old and i was just annoyed that i had to play with them and mm-hmm. uh yeah if we could go back in time and be you know 21 and we always used to go to a restaurant after and and sit there and you know i was just annoyed and embarrassed that i was with my grandpa and my dad and my brother more I, than anything so uh if i could rewind time i would have a have a drink with my dad and my my brother and my uh and my grandpa beautiful nice. beautifully put and and Last question for myself, Ryan. What's the again? Not, not to use a standard job interview question. What, what's what's the plan? You know, the five year plan. Is it? Uh, have you got any lofty ambitions? You know, are you looking for? You know, where does a uh, Monday Q info and, and Ryan French go from here? Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's that's a, it's a tough question. I mean, um, we're making a TV show uh, about these guys. I think just keep telling more deeper stories than uh you know each year i think the the good thing about what i'm doing is although the the mainstream golf media is telling more of these stories now no one will i don't think at least now will dedicate themselves to telling these full time so there's endless stories out there yeah um so uh I, maybe there's a time that these stories get stale and old and i understand that but i think there's so many stories out there that yet to be told that I don't, I don't think we've touched the surface on, on the stories that are out there. Yeah. hundred percent. And look, if, if Monday Q info gets stale, maybe, you know, Saudi Q info might, might be a new page. See what Greg's yeah. up to. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see how it all plays Justin out. Rose missed the four footer, which meant he couldn't buy the Maldives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had to accept the $2 million check per second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And no. just lastly, Ryan, where can we, our listeners, find your stuff? Where, where can I check you out? Yeah. Fire Pit Collective has everybody from our, you know, our site on there, Alan and Matt's. Uh, they're probably writing about some fancy stuff, but um, yeah, you can find mine there. And then, yeah, Monday Q info on, on Twitter. Just search that because I have the worst Twitter handle in all of golf. And I won't even tell you what it is. So just search Monday Q info. Nice one. Well, look around. I know we've gone way over time. Uh, I think it was 30 minutes we said we'd keep you uh, initially. But appreciate it. Uh, been been a pleasure chatting to you. And uh, and good luck with the, the rest of the season. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Absolute yeah, pleasure. Right. 
Just take a moment to admire the fact that I just hit a fairway. There's, there's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And where I would go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Home! Oh, He's, He's done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open champion.